If you want a deeper relationship with God, then learn to trust His promises. The Promise Code by O.S. Hawkins will help you understand how to count on God's promises. And it's yours with a gift of any amount to Turning Point this month. When you give $60 or more, you'll receive the Promise Code set, which includes Esther's CD album, study guide, historical chart, and Bible promises at a glance booklet. Learn more and donate when you go to davidjeremiah.ca. wonder why you should invest your life in knowing God more deeply? One reason is, He's already at the center of your life. Today on Turning Point, Dr. David Jeremiah explains what that means and shares some biblical promises for those who make knowing God a priority. From The God You May Not Know, here's David with the conclusion of his message, Knowing the God You Worship. Well, thank you for joining us today. Let me just say a special word of gratitude for all of you who've been with us through the month of March. Some of you haven't missed a single day, and thank you for your faithfulness. I hope that the study of Esther has encouraged you, and now we begin this new investigation of the God you may not know. Today is part two of the introductory lesson, The Importance of Knowing God and Knowing in Your Heart That It's Possible to Know Him. You don't know everything about Him. You can never fathom who God is or completely understand Him. But men and women, let me tell you something. God has revealed a great deal about Himself in the Scripture, and every revelation is a point of blessing. We're going to study what we can know about God in these next days. We're going to learn about His holiness and His love, and we're going to learn about His faithfulness and His changelessness and His power and His sovereignty and the fact that He's always present. You cannot miss one of these lessons as we go through this study of the nature of God. We'll have more about the resource for this series when we meet on Monday, but today is the last day for the March resource. The March resource is the book by O.S. Hawkins called The Promise Code. It's 40 Bible promises every believer should claim, and it's one of the better resources we offer. The Code series from O.S. Hawkins is a beautiful way for you to grow in your walk with the Lord. So uh, these promises are in this book. There's an article about each promise in every chapter. There's code verses for you to memorize. Uh, this is a really great study. It's yours for the asking today only. You just simply send a gift today and ask for your copy of this book, and it'll be sent to you. You will begin to use it to build your Christian walk. Thank you so much for what you've done during this month, and let's finish up this month together with part two of Knowing the God You Worship. I know this is high and holy territory, and once again, I confess to feeling very intimidated about this. But if God says we can know him, we can know him. And if God says that in his word, he will help us learn how to know him, he will indeed. Let's don't make this so theological and so complicated that we don't get it. Getting to know God is really not much different than getting to know another person. I mean, there's 7.6 billion people on this earth, most of whom you and I will never meet. Of those we do meet, we will only know most of them casually or in passing. But from time to time, we meet someone with whom we develop a friendship. 
And by spending time together, we talk to them and we listen to them and we learn about their stories and they learn about ours. And we become better acquainted and we do so by spending time together. Our relationship grows. Our knowledge of the other person deepens in our mutual love and concern. A few of these people that we meet become our friends and they become our dearest, best, and closest friends. Getting to know God is the same. We meet him through Jesus Christ, who by his death, resurrection, and ascension has given us access into his presence. We get to know him better by spending time with him. We talk to God every day, and we listen to him through his precious word. Let's face it, friends, if we're not careful, we become trained Christians, people who have learned to do the things others expect of us outwardly, But while maintaining all of these outward traditions that are a part of being a Christian, if we're not careful, our hearts turn cold toward God and they are starved out. There's an illustration of that in the book of Revelation when the letter is written to the church at Ephesus. The church at Ephesus in that book was a great church. In fact, I've often thought it would have been wonderful to pastor that church. All of the descriptions of it are dynamic and thrilling. It was a growing church that made a difference in its community. It only had one problem, and that is it had lost its first love for God. And I warn us all, and myself, you will never be happy or fulfilled by just doing the outward things of your religion or your relationship. It's all about what's in the core. It's all about, do you know the God you're worshiping? Is he really important to you? Have you entered into a relationship with him? Here's the principle that we cannot afford to forget. We can only worship someone we love, and we can only love someone we know. And our goal is to know him better. It's a priority. Here's the second thing. Did you know that in knowing God, there is great dignity? And here's a verse of Scripture from that famous book written by a dynamic prophet whose name was Jeremiah. (laughs) Jeremiah chapter 9, verses 23 and 24. Listen to these words from the Scripture. Let not the wise man glory in his wisdom. Let not the mighty man glory in his might. Nor let the rich man glory in his riches. But let him who glories glory in this, that he understands and knows me, that I am the Lord, exercising loving kindness and judgment and righteousness in the earth. For in these I delight, says the Lord. What does that mean? It means that God is not interested in how much money we make, and we should never glory in that. That God is not interested in how powerful we are. That's not our priority in life. That God does not really care how popular we are. God says the thing that we should brag about, if we're going to brag about anything, is that we know God, that we know him. In 2017, Kristen Piotowski and Tucker Gladhill celebrated their wedding with friends at a golf club in New Jersey. It was about 10.30 at night, and the party was winding down. Kristen slipped into the bathroom, and hearing commotion in the ballroom, she quickly washed her hands, and without taking time to dry them, she rejoined the party. Standing there to her amazement was an unexpected guest, the President of the United States of America. 
He had been in a meeting upstairs in that very hotel, was on his way back to the White House, and seeing the wedding party, he crashed it. (laughs) Kristen offered him her wet hand, explaining that she had just been washing them. And the president stayed around for several minutes, chatting with the couple, posing for pictures. Believe me, those wedding pictures will never, ever be lost. They will be passed down to the children and every grandchild in the future Having the leader of the free world in your wedding pictures is something to boast about. But it doesn't come close to having the creator of the whole world as your intimate friend. The Bible tells us we shouldn't brag or base our self-esteem on our wisdom, our education, or our physical conditioning or financial well-being. We are to glory in someone that we've met, someone we know, in someone we love, We should freely boast in the Lord, and we know him, and that he knows us, and he's a God who exercises kindness. Paul wrote in Galatians, God forbid that I should boast except in the cross of the Lord Jesus Christ. What turns your crank? What gets you up in the morning? What do you brag about? What do you tell people about yourself? The Bible says all of that stuff that we talk about at the water cooler, Most of it isn't that important. But if you know God, you got something to brag about. If you know God, you can put your shoulders back and be confident in your life. Knowing God brings dignity to your life. Knowing God is something that makes you special. Thirdly, I want to talk to you about the maturity of knowing God. And I want to show you a passage of Scripture that you may not have read recently. It's in 1 John chapter 2, verses 12 and 13. I'm going to read the passage, and then we're going to talk about it for a moment. Here's what it says. I write to you, little children, because your sins are forgiven you for his name's sake. I write to you, fathers, because you have known him who is from the beginning. I write to you, young men, because you have overcome the wicked one. According to this passage of Scripture, there are three stages of growth and maturity in the family of God, just like there are in the physical human family. Some people are children. John writes, I write to you children because your sins have been forgiven. Do you know people who have been in the faith for a long time, but when you try to have a spiritual conversation with them, all they know is their sins have been forgiven. They've been saved but they don't know anything else except they're going to heaven. Now, that's pretty good to know. And if you got to know any one thing, I would suggest you start there. But after you become a Christian, isn't it important that you know more than just your sins are forgiven? And to grow in your knowledge of the Lord. The writer says that if you haven't grown in any more knowledge than just the fact that you're going to heaven, you're still a child. And then He said a person who's like a young man in the family of God has experienced some spiritual victories in his life. He's overcome the evil one. One of the things we learn when we grow in Christ is this, that the forgiveness of our sins does not mean the absence of any problems. When we become Christians, we still have problems. And according to John, a man who is a young adult, he's grappling with these problems. He's working against the evil one. He's probably won some victories. He's built some of his spiritual muscles up, so now he's gained a certain level of maturity that tells him when the enemy comes, I got something to throw in his face. 
I can do battle with the enemy. That's another level of maturity. Now, there's a great gap between being a child and a young adult, but the gap between being a young adult and a father, and that's a huge gap. John said that a person who is like a father is someone who is described like this. He has known him who is from the beginning. Maturity comes as you get to know God who is from the beginning, progressively, more deeply and intimately. What it would be like, I cannot imagine, and I'm not going to embarrass anybody here today, but I'm just going to ask you to imagine this with me. Suppose when you came in to the building today, there was a sign over here that said, Fathers in the Faith. The center section was children in the faith. And this section over here was young men in the faith. Here's the maturity, here's the almost maturity, and here are the people that just don't know anything else except they're saved. I would be out of a job if I did that, and I don't plan to do that anytime in the near future. But I want to ask you, what section would you sit in? Where would you be? Because the Bible says that one of the greatest evidences of our maturity in our faith is simply that we're coming to know God more and more, that that's a priority for us, that we make that a purpose. I want to know God. Through his word, through my conversations with him, through my opportunity to serve him, to know God and to grow in him. That's the maturity of knowing God. But here is one of my favorites. It's the authority of knowing God. Knowing God gives us a sense of authority in our lives. When you know God, you're connected. Do you know what it means to be connected? (laughs) If you know God, you know the supreme person in all of the universe. If you know God and you know that he knows you, where do you go from there? What's the next step up from that? Daniel says it this way, the people that do know their God shall be strong and do exploits. When you read the Bible, you see all these heroes, and of course, Hebrews chapter 11 is a whole list of them. One of the things you begin to know as you study the people that jump out of the pages of the Bible is the people who did great things for God were people who had this incredible relationship with God. Think about Daniel for a moment. Think about him. In case you question the validity of what Daniel wrote, all you have to do to cure your problem is to read how he stood up in his life, how he stood against the king's dietary requirements because they violated his faith, his relationship with God. Read how he refused to obey the prohibition against prayer and continued to pray three times every day. Why? That's how he had a relationship with God. Read how he walked with his God through a pagan environment and never violated his commitment to holiness and stood for the things he believed because Daniel was a man of God and he did great exploits for God. And if reading about Daniel doesn't get you all fired up, go back and read the speech of his three friends, the speech they gave when they were being told they were going to be thrown into the fiery furnace because they wouldn't bow down to the idol I always love this speech. I find every excuse I can to read this privately and publicly. They said, O Nebuchadnezzar, we have no need to answer you in this matter. 
If that is the case, our God whom we serve is able to deliver us from the burning, fiery furnace, and he will deliver us from your hand, O king. But if not, let it be known to you, O king, that we do not serve your gods, nor will we worship the gold image which you have set up. Every time I read that speech, I stand a little straighter and a little stronger. I don't know about the rest of you. I'm tired of Christians always being the victim. We aren't the victims. We're the victors. And the only difference between being a victim and a victor is knowing God. Knowing God. The people that do know their God shall be strong and do exploits. You want to do something great? You want to be strong? Start with knowing God. Knowing God will give you the strength you need to be good at what you do, to excel in your particular purpose of life. It starts with knowing God. Don't ever forget that verse. Those who know their God will be strong and do great things. Amen. Finally, the humility of knowing God. Nothing so humbles you as to study God. (laughs) C.S. Lewis said, in God you come up against something which is in every respect immeasurably superior to yourself. (laughs) Unless you know God like that and therefore know yourself as nothing in comparison, you do not know God at all. As long as you are proud, he wrote, you are looking down on things. You're looking down on people. And of course, as long as you're looking down, you cannot look up and see who is above you. What a great statement that is. You can't always be looking down on people if you want to know God. Pride will keep you from knowing God. Your own pride says, I don't need God. Why should I study God? I'm everything I need. When you're always looking down, you can't look up. I've always said one of the things that happens to you when you get really sick and go to the hospital, they put you in the bed and sometimes strap you in, and the only thing you can do is look up. And that's the best thing you can do when you're in the hospital is look up. Because your answer is there. In his first letter to Timothy, Paul described God like this. He said, he is the blessed and only sovereign, the king of kings. Do you know what that means? I looked up the word sovereignty. It's one of the most wonderful terms in our vocabulary. The word sov, S-O-V, means, well, it's the Latin prefix for the words over and above. And then if you look at the rest of the word, the rest of the word is reign, sovereign, which means to rule. What that little word means, sovereign means over and above and ruling everything that there is. When we say God is sovereign, we say he is over and above everything and he rules. Ephesians puts it this way, far above all principality and power and might and dominion and every name that is named, not only in this age, but also in that which is to come. When we speak of the sovereignty of God, we're referring to his absolute control over everything from the tides of history to the details of our days. The Most High rules over heaven and earth and over large and small. And I think this verse has a smile on its face. Here it is. Psalm 115, verse 3. Our God is in heaven, and he does whatever he pleases. (laughs) I love that verse. Listen to me. God is in charge, you guys. He's in control, and when you know your God, you can put your head on your pillow at night and you can go to sleep. No matter what is going on, I'm not in charge. It does not depend on me. I have a God in heaven, and I can trust him 
because he is sovereign. He is above and over all. Rick Pritikin went through a really trying time in his life, and he wrote a book about it. How's this for a title of a book? Why did I lose my job if God loves me? (laughs) During his nearly two years of vocational transition, he wrote these words. I have discovered at my core that I know my God is real and he knows what is best for me. We can truly trust God because he didn't spare his own son. He assures us that he's in control and he may be using this season of transition for our ultimate good. Our Heavenly Father loves us unconditionally, wants the best for us. How can we possibly know how wonderful a life he is providing if we don't start living and enjoying the moment that we have today? What I take away from this sermon personally is this. Yes, it's important for me to know God, but the takeaway is he already knows me and he cares about me. I look at it, some of you who are getting a little bit older, Now, I always hate to mention this, the Bible says he knows the numbers of hair on your head. He knows every detail about us. Why does he know us like that? Because he loves us like that. And when you get to know him, you get to know more about how much he knows you. And it gives a strength to your relationship that's hard to describe. Oh, my friends, I want you not to get lost in the verbiage that often accompanies such a journey as we're on and get to the real core of what it's all about. It's all about, first of all, knowing that God knows you and he loves you and then making it your purpose to know him better. All of us are on that track. All of us have that goal. Samuel Clemens, the American author and humorist, had been a riverboat pilot on the Mississippi for many years, and he chose his pen name from a phrase, which I didn't know before. Mark Twain is a riverman's phrase for water that is six feet deep. That's where he got his name, Mark Twain. Short while after he became famous, he was traveling in Europe, and he took his little girl with him, just the two of them. Everywhere they went, royalty, well-known artists, scientists, all honored Mark Twain. Toward the end of their travels, the writer's little girl one day said to him, Papa, you know everybody but God, don't you? Mm. You know everybody but God. The Bible says this is eternal life, that they may know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, whom you have sent. Is it possible that there's someone here today, you know just about everybody in your world except God, who is at the center of your world, whether you want it to be or not? Let's don't go through life. Our relationships with everybody are sweet, but our relationship with God is almost non-existent. So here's my final question. Here's what I want you to think about. Do you know God? Not do you know about him, but do you know him? Do you talk to him? Do you hear him? Do you listen to his voice? Do you have any idea how much he loves you and how much he knows you and whatever you're going through, it's not unknown to God? Cultivate our relationship with God. Cultivating our relationship with God is our number one priority. Let's figure it out for ourselves. I don't want you to feel guilty if you don't think you know as much about God as somebody else. I just want you to jam into your own situation. See, this week, next week, during these weeks, I'm going to know God better.
How do you know God better? You spend more time with him, just like you get to know anybody else. Learn from him. Revel in him. Come and worship him. Know him. If you don't know God at all, because you get to know God through his son, Jesus Christ, my invitation to you is begin your journey now by inviting Christ into your life. Friends, that's really the truth. You know God because you know Jesus. The Bible says he is the way to the Father, and there's no other way. Jesus and I am the way, the truth, and the life, and no man comes to the Father except through me. If you want to know God, you have to know Jesus. And Jesus is the Son of God. He is the living God, God in the flesh. And he has come to this earth to be your Savior if you will allow him to be. And you need to invite him into your life and ask him to come and forgive your sin. He will come and take up his residence in your heart. And if you allow him, he will not only be a resident in your life, he'll be the president of your life. You will never know life as you will know if you know Jesus. He has come so that you might know God and so that you might be saved from your sin. Well, thank you for joining us today as we kick off this new series on the God you may not know. On Monday, when we convene again, we're going to talk about knowing a holy God. What does it mean that God is holy? And how does that affect your life? We'll talk about all that on Monday. In the meantime, have a great weekend. Go to church. Watch Turning Point on television. Make this a weekend that moves you down the road in your walk with the Lord toward a better place. And we'll see you next time. I'm David Jeremiah. Today's message came to you from Shadow Mountain Community Church, where Dr. David Jeremiah serves as senior pastor. To give us an update on how God is using this ministry, write to Turning Point for God of Canada, P.O. Box 18098, Delta, B.C., V4L2M4. Visit our website at davidjeremiah.ca slash radio or call 800-946-4300. Ask for your copy of the latest book from O.S. Hawkins, The Promise Code, 40 Bible Promises Every Believer Should Claim. It's yours for a gift of any amount. You can also purchase the Jeremiah Study Bible in the English Standard, New International, and New King James Versions, available in a variety of attractive cover options. Visit davidjeremiah.ca slash radio for details. This is David Michael Jeremiah. Join us Monday as we continue The God You May Not Know on Turning Point with Dr. David Jeremiah. If you enjoy listening to Turning Point with David Jeremiah, you'll be happy to hear that there is now a daily Turning Point television broadcast that you can watch each weekday. Tune in to Faith TV, Joy TV, or Miracle Channel Monday through Friday to watch the Turning Point daily television broadcast. Be sure to check your local listings for the channel and time in your area. Or visit davidjeremiah.ca forward slash TV to download a program schedule or watch at your convenience. That website again is davidjeremiah.ca forward slash TV. If you're looking to enhance your personal or group Bible study, look no further than the Jeremiah Bible Study Series. In each volume, Dr. David Jeremiah helps you understand what the Bible says and how to apply it. Along the way, you will gain insights into the text, identify key themes, and be challenged to apply the truth found in Scripture to your life. Get your copy today. Learn more at davidjeremiah.ca slash study. That's davidjeremiah.ca slash study. Rasputin was a dangerous mystic who wielded great influence over the Russian Tsar's family prior to the Russian Revolution. 
He taught that we experience the joy of salvation when we repent from sin. And the more we sin, the more joy of salvation we will realize. So therefore, it's a person's duty to sin. Well, the Apostle Paul branded such an idea as erroneous in his letter to the Romans. He asked rhetorically, Shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? And answered, Certainly not. The true Christian has died to the need to sin and finds joy not in repentance, but in freedom from sin. This is David Jeremiah, encouraging you to get on the road to new life. Discover God's true salvation on Route 66. Route 66, driving the word home. Log on to Route66life.com. Start your journey home today.